my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sam Edis. And I'm Amy Nelson. And welcome to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. Every week we talk to remarkable women about their stories. We are both so passionate about making sure that we deliver to you stories of the world's most remarkable women, whether it's in sports or medicine or business. Every single woman has a story to tell, and we want to share those with you. Now, Amy, speaking of women with stories to tell, how was your weekend? My weekend was interesting. So, you know, I have these four little girls and we have really been just homebound since the middle of March. We haven't gone anywhere. Uh, the farthest afield we'd gone so far was kind of to the, to the park and walking outside. But this weekend, we finally went to an Airbnb 
about 90 minutes south of Seattle where we live. And we were so excited because my little girls are little fishes. They love to swim. They want to be in the water. And so we just wanted to go to a place that had a pool because they couldn't swim all summer except in lakes around Seattle. So we found this great Airbnb. And like the biggest part of it was that it had a pool that we could swim in. So I made sure to check with the host that the pool was open. And we get there. And it wasn't heated. And it was 65 degrees outside. <laughs> but we made the best of it. I hope you got your money back or something because that seems just wrong to say to people, I really want to make sure that the big feature here is the pool and they don't even mention, by the way, it won't be heated. You know, ultimately, here's the thing, Sam. Like the girls, basically, once they got in the water, they didn't care. And I just kind of sucked it up. And I'm like, look, I used to be a wilderness guide at a camp in northern Minnesota. And this is not as cold as northern Minnesota, which is like my bar in life. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but that Midwestern girl is long gone from your body I know, temperature. I know. <laughs> it was very cold, but we had a good time. And then we also went to a pumpkin patch, masked, of course. Um, but how was your weekend? You know that Ruby turned 13 on Friday. And I, I know that you relate to being a mom who's trying to jump through hoops to make a pandemic birthday fun. Yep. Which has its own challenges when your child's turning six and a different kind of challenge when they're turning 13. But um, on Sunday or Saturday, she told me it was her best birthday ever. So I felt like I'd win one, like an Olympic gold medal of momming because I worked so hard to make her birthday fun. But she's someone who is so appreciative of the littlest things. I mean, even the only people who celebrated the birthday with her were my dad and his girlfriend and my brother's family. And when she received a gift from them, I mean, no matter how small it was, she truly looks at it and like spends time like she's so enjoyed every single gift. She We played Ruby Jeopardy. I made a Jeopardy game of Ruby trivia and I made teams. And then I on Etsy, I went on made these hats called Ruby Time and everyone had a trucker's hat that said Ruby Time. And we all played the game and people were so competitive. And it was, you know, I'll take stories for 300 or I'll take, you know, fun facts for 500. So it, anyway, we had such a good time. It was really fun. I mean, it, it's really interesting when I think of this time, look, there's a lot of grief, but you and I have been fortunate that we haven't lost anyone in our families to COVID. But when we look back at this time, it'll be really interesting what our kids remember. And I was just thinking about camp, right? Because it is this like closed circle of who you're with and who you spend time with. And hopefully it's a moment in time. Yes. I do think it's weird though for like teenagers. I mean, my girls don't see anyone. The other day, Ellis said, I met some new friends last night. I'm like, where'd you go? She's like, mom, my bedroom. Like it was on a group call. And you know, my friend added some other friends to our call. It's just such a strange childhood. I think we just have to adjust to this is their normal. Ruby gets really mad at me when I say like, this is such a strange time. She's like, no, it's not mom. That was a long time ago. This is just what it is. And I think she, it's a good perspective. Yeah, she's like, adjust. I mean, it's it, it, we have such different challenges, right? Because my kids are six to one. And I think I was telling you this the other day. Like, I think my four-year-old, like, forgets that she had friends. <laughs> she just has her sisters. <laughs> and that's what she's used she to She has now. built in three friends. Yeah. yeah, I mean, who needs them? <laughs> right? It'll be very strange when my kids can start seeing other kids again. But we'll see. So today we are talking to Padmasri Warrior. Padmasri has had an incredible career. She immigrated from India. Uh, in her 20s. And then she has been an executive at some of the most amazing tech companies in the world, from Cisco to uh, China's equivalent of Tesla. And it's so incredible to hear her story. Sam, how do you know Padmasri? Years ago, we were introduced. We have a bunch of mutual friends. And Padmasri was at a point in her career, I think she just moved to Silicon Valley and was trying to meet women in different fields who were doing cool things and we were introduced and then I ended up interviewing her a couple of times for Forbes and we've just always kept in touch and 
as her career has, you know, basically boomed. I mean, she's kind of skyrocketed uh, into a top woman in in engineering and technology, and she's just become this enormous figure. She has, I think, three million Twitter followers. I mean, she's she's wildly successful, but also people are drawn to her. And I think today you will find out why. I know that, you know, when Amy and I were talking about you, one of the things we were marveling at is just how extraordinary it is that you are not only a woman, but a, an Indian woman in a in a field that is so um, rampant with white men. H- how did this all happen? How did your career evolve? Yeah, so I am uh, from India originally, and I uh, grew up in the southern part of India in a, in a fairly small town. I was always interested in math and science, but I can't say I was like, I don't know when I was a kid if I wanted to be an engineer. I think I really wanted to be a scientist. My, my interest was more in physics when I was a kid. Um, so I actually started my academics in, um, in being a physics major and then switched after a year into doing engineering because I really wanted to apply what I was learning more and, and I got interested in how things got built and how things get built to a scale. So I went to a pretty hardcore engineering school in India called the Indian Institute of Technology where the admission rate is like really, really low. It's a very competitive school to get into and there were very, very few women. I think when I went, there was five women in a class of 250. Uh, so it's sort of like a very daunting experience, I would say. I was 16 or 17 when I went to the school. I left my hometown to go to New Delhi, so a different city where they speak a different language. Um, you know, they speak Hindi. I grew up speaking Telugu, so I didn't know the language. I was like I'm saying, very few women. and. Uh, yeah, I learned to survive, I think, in a very tough male-dominated environment there. Um, but I think I learned two important lessons, I would say, that have stayed with me throughout um, throughout my career. Since there were only five women, we kind of really stuck together and supported each other. We were not only really good friends, but we like looked out for each other. We got each other's back. Uh, we pumped each other up. I think that's where I really learned the importance of supporting other women and really creating a community and belonging to that community and making it a priority to do that. I, I honestly don't think I could have got gotten through IIT without my 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 women friends who were my sort of like my community. So, so tell us about Fable. Yeah, so Fable. I started the company roughly a year ago. I started to get interested in mental wellness and uh, how we could use technology to improve mental well-being for millions of people around the world because when I left my previous company, I was building autonomous electric cars, so completely different. Uh, The company that I was working at is sort of like Tesla in China. It's now a public company. So we took the company public. And I felt like, okay, I did what I came there to do. And I started to really get interested in the fact that anxiety, depression, burnout, loneliness are all going the wrong way for many, many people across all age groups, across every country almost. It's all trending the wrong way. Um, Perhaps social media is a contributor to it. Perhaps technology is a contributor to it. But regardless of the cause, what could we do to help give people tools to alleviate and manage their own uh, stress. So I started to research that. And then I came upon a lot of research that talked about how reading and reading fiction 
um, helps us relax, right? You know, when you are reading a story, your mind is occupied and you sort of like, it improves your empathy, it improves your understanding of something. Books can make you laugh and books can make you cry. They take you to different places. Um, and I'm an avid reader. and But I think a lot of people don't associate reading to have value or improve your mental wellness. They think of it, they don't connect the two. There are a lot of science points to it. It's so funny because I always, no matter how busy I am, I am always reading a fiction book. I'm obsessed with always being part of a book and people will say, how do you do it all? And I'm like, it's just such a big part. I would, you know, for me, that is my mental health break is to always be involved in a book. That is so awesome Uh, because, you know, hey, listen, uh, right now we all make time to do something for physical wellness, right? We Mm -hmm. put on our calendar, going for a walk or you have a peloton getting on a peloton or going for a run walking your dog it's on our calendar and physical fitness is now a four trillion dollar industry 10 years ago it was a pair of sneakers and that's because people are aware that we have to take care of our bodies but the same is not true for mental wellness yet Mm -hmm. so i would love for this to be a priority for most people because sam as you're saying it doesn't take a lot if we read 15 minutes a day we'll finish a book in a month and so but it's just like People say, I don't have time to read, but like you have 15 minutes to read and (laughs) it's helping people realize, break it out into micro goals. And the other problem people say is, I don't know what to read. There's so many Mm. books out there. So what we do at Fable is help curate. We go to experts in the industry and have them select great books. Um, And so it's sort of less is more is what we believe. Can we offer you like 30 great books every month to read? And you pick one of those that has been selected by an expert. And then you read with your friends. So it's like the book club concept. So I would love for you guys to have your community of uh, what's a story uh, community or your women's groups to read together. Because when we read together, we share experiences, right? Like you were saying, what's a story about us sharing our stories. Um, Another way of doing it is through a book. That's great. I think that's so true. I think too, and Sam and I talk about this a lot, a lot, women's stories remain untold in so many ways. Even fictional characters for women provide representation and give us ideas and we get to see different ways you can live your life and it's so important yeah I am um, generally always a reader and a voracious reader but it's interesting over the past few years I focused my reading on when I'm on planes and I used to be on planes multiple times a week and now I need to recalibrate to find a way to read in the madness of my home with my four small children but the same is true for me I used to read primarily when I was on a plane because I was so busy with work and I was traveling so much. What I've done now is, I don't know if this will work for you, like I normally, because I'm back to back in Zoom calls, I make it a point to take a lunch break every day for half an hour. And usually it doesn't take me 30 minutes to grab a sandwich or whatever I'm eating at home. So I read then, like I mm-hmm. grab a sandwich for 10 minutes and I read for like 20 minutes. So at least like it's sort of like, yeah, yeah, it's doing it every day for small amounts of time. Yeah. That has it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned Peloton because I have a Peloton and I do, I often will do, okay, it's just do go to a 20 minute class. Because it's just 20 minutes. It's a very digestible amount of time. But I had a follow-up question. So you mentioned earlier that you were more in your marriage, you were more of the corporate athlete where your husband was a serial entrepreneur. So what what has it been like starting a company? 
Yeah, it's, he's, he's helping me a lot now. And so now the roles are reversed. He's an investor now. He primarily does a lot of angel investment. Um, so yeah, I, I go to my husband quite a bit. He's, he's in a way, I would say a silent partner. Like I, I go to him to get advice. He's helping me a lot with things related to financing, things related to legal stuff, all of things, uh, all of those things. We've never really like worked together. We'd make it a point not to work together. We sort of like have our our, our interests, um, but yeah, we usually consult with each other. Like, and so he's been quote unquote a great advisor and a silent partner at Fable. That's awesome. So I, I know that you have a son and through a lot of your big jobs in life, I remember you were working for a factory. Is that right? You were running a factory when you gave birth to your son? Yeah, yeah, I was running a semiconductor factory at Motorola Semiconductor when I was pregnant and I had my son. Uh, it was probably the hardest few years of my life. Um, and yeah, I often talk about it. I think I learned the importance I actually don't like the word balance because I think I was striving to get balance at the time and found that I was actually being so hard on myself that I would never find happiness because I would feel guilty no matter what I did. For example, when I, when I had my baby and I was running a factory, I would feel really guilty because that factory was seven by 24. I had responsibility to keep it going seven by 24 and it was a semiconductor fab, right? So very capital intensive. So. Um, I would feel guilty for being home uh, with my baby, even though I was on calls, you know, leading my team, that I wasn't there in the factory. And so I would feel guilty for staying home. So I would go to work and, you know, leave my child uh, with at daycare. And then I would feel guilty that I wasn't with, with my baby and I was at work and I would like, oh, I'm a terrible mom. I'm not a good mom. And I'm, I've left my son in childcare. And then I would bring and try to work at home with my baby and I would be on call. And then I would feel guilty because I wasn't working out or something or the other. So the fact that I was always guilty no matter what I decided to do was causing me stress versus the decision I made. So often when, especially women, when they talk about how do I do both? How do I have a great family life and I have a great career? I always tell people decide, you know, I mean, we make decisions based on, based on the best information we have don't feel guilty about whatever you've decided. In the end, it all works out fine. You know, I think my son is quite independent and in the fact that I was a working mom, I, I take pride that he became more independent because of that, like, uh, because he had to help himself. He had to go make his own dinner, make his own lunch, eat when he's hungry. So he's not reliant on someone else doing those things for him. He'll make a really good husband one day. He's actually as more of a feminist than even I am. Right, I love that. How does he feel right now when he talks about your career? What does your son say? Uh, yeah, he's a writer. He's a creative writer, and uh, he just graduated with his MSA, MFA from uh, USC. So he's very different from from me from a personality uh, perspective. Um, he's one of those people that's very creative, that's very thoughtful, that's very observant, um, whereas I'm more logical, but I'm also an artist, so I think he got got my artistic side, I think. <laughs> um, I think as children grow up, they become more your, more your partners, right? Like, it's sort of like I brainstorm ideas with him. He's always supportive, like, even when I was starting a company, um, he was like, yeah, you should do this because you're very passionate about this. Because I turned down many, many big jobs to do this. I had a lot of CEO offers from very big companies and I chose to start my own company. Um, 
And so my son, I would say, has been uh, like my husband. I think they've both have been fortunate. They've always encouraged me, like, you should do what you really believe in. You know, of course, there's constraints, right? Like starting a company is not easy. It's a lot of work. Um, in, in, you guys know this, right? You know, being a founder is a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and you need to be very resilient. And so it's, uh, people always ask me what is harder, being a C-suite executive in a Fortune 100 company or being an entrepreneur. I would say being an entrepreneur is a lot harder. <laughs> well, we all like to choose the hard things. <laughs> My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile... The ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you were raising your son when he was little, how did you think about wellness? In the beginning, I was trying really hard. I think I was almost trying too hard uh, because I was thinking about balance. And to me, that word itself is sort of like forces you to try to make everything equal. And that's not life. You know, in life, things are not equal. It's about integrating things that matter to you into your life. I actually, one of my bosses once asked me, so tell me about your family life and your work life. And I said, I don't have two lives. I only have one life. And in my life, I have work and my family. um, And both are important to me. Um, So yeah, I started to, when he was little, actually, I was telling you this thing about, I suddenly realized, hey, no matter what I do, I feel guilty and that's what's causing me stress. So I need to stop that. Um, And I think about integrating and and because of maybe I'm an engineer, I think of it as like four quadrants, like this family, there's your work, uh, there's your community and there's yourself. And it's important to to focus on all four, not necessarily spend equal amounts of time, but focus on all four. Um, And I really tried to do that because what I found was I was focusing on work a lot and my family a lot. I was ignoring my friends and my community and I was totally ignoring myself. And so I started meditating as as a way which would help me relax when my son was less than a year old. Because I lost my mom when he was very young and it was sort of like a very sudden way that she passed away and so it was sort of i think up until this point i knew what death was and what deep grief was intellectually but i never experienced it emotionally i think it was the first time i realized that um you know there's a big emotional toll and and how to deal with grief is is not something very simple and straightforward um and i had a young baby and i had my career so there was a lot going on and so I felt like I needed to just be calm and and figure out how to get all the thoughts out of my head. And so kind of taught myself how to do it. You know, in the beginning, I would just try to sit still for a minute and I couldn't because my mind won't wander everywhere. Um, But again, you know, it goes back to how we're thinking about table. I tried to make a daily habit of it. Like every day I would force myself to sit still for a minute and, you know, slowly increase it to two minutes, then five minutes and... Yeah, now I do it for 25 minutes every day. Wow. Uh, but it, it took me a long time to get here. And so, but it's something that truly helps me. It helps me, I think, um, make better decisions, be calmer, deal with stress overall in a different way. Uh, by the way, for me, reading books is meditative too. When I'm reading a book, I sort of like 
get very immersed. I almost. I am so happy you said that because I am not a traditional meditator, but I always say like doing a jigsaw puzzle or reading a book for me is my own meditation. And so I'm going to now say that you said that's okay, that that counts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I actually paint too. And when I'm painting, that's another way to meditate. And for some people it's running. I mean, it's whatever it is, right? Anything you do could be meditative. But yeah, that's kind of how Before I the lightning round, I have, I have two more questions, Amy. How do you make decisions? I am a decisive person by nature. Um, you know, I go into things with an opinion. I, I do feel I have opinions. I mean, I usually tell if it's a business thing, if it's my team, I let them know that, hey, I have strong opinions about this or I don't have a strong opinion about it. I can be, I can go either way. Um, so there's no hidden thing. Like I'm pretty explicit in telling them like I have strong opinions about this and here's why and here's my opinions, but I can definitely change my mind. Um, I do listen to input from everyone and then I gather as much data as I can and make a call. I think I am one of those people that believes in making more decisions and correcting if they're wrong versus delaying too much to to get all the information you can because that could go on forever. Um, yeah, and once I decide if I've made the wrong decision and somebody points that out or they come with better data, I'm happy to change that. And I will always say, okay, yeah, I made that call, but that was not the right call. We should do this other way. I love that. Now, now in terms of women in tech, obviously it's such a, a, a big topic. What is your philosophy in terms of how we can increase the numbers and get more equality in in tech there's many many reasons that contribute to that right you know i think um first of all like making sure women pursue technical fields in in college and school that's important but even when people start their career they leave and more women leave um, from companies just because they feel they it's not a comfortable environment they can't be who they are who they truly they can't be true to themselves and so i think companies have to do a much better job of letting people be authentic to what they truly believe in and you know i think we should not even when i started my career and this was years ago you know i had to dress almost to be look more like a guy than like a woman and so there were all these sort of like unspoken rules about the culture that made it very uncomfortable for me um, and you know as i was saying i came from india i love color i love jewelry and so there were so many things that i loved um, that i couldn't carry that part of me to work uh, which was very stifling in its own way and, and none of that by the way was necessary it had nothing to do with my work or who i was as an engineer so i think we have to first in companies allow people to be true to themselves like you know uh be whoever you want to be it really doesn't affect how you do your work um and how we behave and defining the culture in a company and being explicit about that is important because unless you tell people how they should behave at work they won't know but that has nothing to do with what you wear or how you act and you know so i think we have to remove all these unnecessary barriers for women to be successful that's great that's great okay amy you ready for the lightning right. round okay i'm ready I'm okay. All start. okay uh, what is your morning routine okay my morning routine is a cup of coffee and catching up with news Perfect. I have two cups of coffee, so I'll trump your one cup. (laughs) When was the last time you cried? Oh, wow. Hmm. Last time I cried was um, 
when I uh, cried in happiness or cried in sadness? I'm assuming you mean sad. I meant sad, but I'm kind of curious to hear when you cried in happiness too. I think I always cry in sadness. My sister passed away very suddenly and whenever her birthday comes, uh, I cry. So that was end of May. No, oh, I'm so sorry. Wow. I'm so sorry. That's so hard. <laughs> my, my sister actually lives in a bay and it's so hard because I don't know when I'll see her again, but I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah. Yeah. It was years ago, but still, I, yeah. uh, I still remember her, her on her birthday. I always remember her. Mm. It's a very, it's, uh, it used to be a happy occasion. No, it's not. Wow. Um, yeah. And what about the last time you... Happiness yeah. was when my son graduated from USC. It was sort of like it was a virtual commencement, and I was I was watching, and I saw his name. I'm like, oh, you know. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Very cool. I think, uh, I think this is a fitting question. What book are you reading right now? Yeah, I just finished reading Where Did You Go, Bernadette? Uh, that was cute. I love that one. Yeah, that was fun. I actually read it and it was my pick. And so we, we started a fable reading club and we were all reading. Now I just started reading Lovecraft Country. Um, yeah, Matt Cuff's book. Um, I'm a huge fan of H.P. Lovecraft. And so I just, HBO just started a show and I want to read the book. So I'm, I'm also reading that on fable. Do you always try to read the book before you watch the movie or the show? Yeah, typically, typically I do. And I usually read many books at the same time. So I read like two, three books together. Well, there was a book, Normal People, that I loved. I don't know if you read that. It, I loved oh, that book. That to me. It's excellent. And now, then it, it was made into a TV show and I don't want to watch it because I loved it so much that I don't want it to to you know I don't want to spoil it <laughs> sometimes that happens and one last question for you um what do you watch tv I feel like someone like you wouldn't watch tv do you yeah I do okay. I watch tv I watch I started watching more tv than movies now because I feel like tv shows have really improved um actually this is something I my husband and I do together every night we would watch an hour of tv and we will watch a show that we both like what are you watching right now <laughs> right now we are actually watching Battlestar Galactic, re-watching Battlestar Galactic. <laughs> we're both science fiction fans, so we usually watch science fiction. Oh, you're like Amy. She re-watches things. That, that's a very Amy thing to do. <laughs> it is. I mean, well, especially in this moment, I'm trying to save some of the new stuff. I want to watch Lovecraft Country, but uh, there, I want to save some of the new stuff because I don't think there's going to be new stuff for like yeah. two years. I'm watching the old stuff. <laughs> I just finished watching Perry Mason remake on HBO. I love that. I, love I am it. watching that. It is very good. I love <laughs> it. I'm also watching Succession, Succession because I never watched oh. it. It's yeah, I didn't watch that. I usually watch science fiction shows. I, before BSG, I was watching Devs. Did you watch Devs? Yeah, it's a great show. Yeah, I is it about engineers? Kind of, yeah. But it's, it's also philosophical. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. 
I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About $6 million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So for our final question, we are going to give our final question to Lou, who's been listening intently to this interview, and he comes on with our final question. Hi, Padmasri. Hi. There's a quote that you have. It's, uh, 
the ability to learn is the most is the most important quality of a leader. Uh, and I I fancy myself a leader, and I but I like to to know what other people think and what they're learning. So my question to you is uh, is in this time now where the world is literally turned upside down, what are you learning about yourself and everything around you? Oh, that's such a great question. What I'm learning about myself is how to be more disciplined about where I spend my time. Because it's very easy when you're working in the beginning, when we were working from home and when we were doing the quarantine, I was just working all the time. I was actually working more than I was when I was physically going to an office because it's just so easy to just stay on Zoom calls. Um, and I found that I really was not taking time for anything else, right? Like, as at least before when I was going to work and coming back from work. I had like breaks in my day, whereas if I was working from home, I never had those breaks. Um, I'm now much more disciplined. I was saying earlier about taking a lunch break every day. I, I block 30 minutes to go grab lunch and read something for 15 minutes. Same thing, I take a break in the evening at 5.30 to 6.30 to go work out and then come back. And so I'm really trying to be more disciplined in how I structure this. The big challenge uh, for me as I'm building a company is actually to unlearn things that I've learned before. Before, when I was uh, an entrepreneur at my previous company or at Cisco, I pride myself in re being really a great leader in being able to bring people together, getting everybody aligned, getting everybody going in the same direction. At Cisco, I had a team of 26,000 people. At Neo, we scaled the company from zero to 700 people in two short years. It was all about bringing people together. but. There was a lot of things I did physically, like having offsites and doing fun things, team activities together, like, you know, we would make pizzas together, whatever it was that allowed us to be human um, outside of work. Really hard to do that remotely when people are on Zoom calls. So I'm, I'm having to unlearn the techniques I learned about bringing teams together and getting them aligned and figure out how we are going to do this remotely uh, when everybody is in a different place. So that's something I'm learning as I'm unlearning. Some of the things that worked for me before are not going to work for me now. And so how do we do this? Um, so yeah, that's such a great question. Thank awesome. You thank you so, thank you so much. One of the, the things I loved about this interview is that Ped Mastery gave me permission to count my you know jigsaw puzzles and book reading as my own form of meditation. And I always say like I'd never be good you know saying my mantra and sitting in a yoga pose, but I do find you know sitting there doing my crossword puzzle or whatever it is super relaxing. I agree. I don't think either of us are the kind that can kind of sit quietly with our minds for five or even one minute. But um, I really loved that she gave us permission to do that as well. I also loved talking about just the joy of reading and what it gives us. You and I are both big readers, and I think it's you know, we don't often talk about books and what they're doing for us and what they're giving us. What are you reading right now? So right now I am plug, plugging or I guess trudging my way through a book called Splendid and the Vile, which my college friends and I are all over the country, but we have a big group chat and a, we had for a while had this book club that we would do virtually, but they're always giving me book recommendations. They're 
most of them are far more intellectual than I am, I would say. And so when I read Splendid in the Vile, which is historical fiction, it's all brand new information to me. I think for them it wasn't. So I think that's why it's taking me so long to get through it. But I'm committed. I'm, I'm halfway through and I'm going to get there. <laughs> I am actually, Sam, you'll probably kill me, but... When we had Glennon Doyle on the podcast a few weeks ago, which you should listen to if you haven't, um, I read through Untamed very quickly. So I'm actually going back and reading it and savoring every page because it's just so relevant to my life right now. I'm going to decode what you just said and assume that you had not read it before we interviewed her. I went through it and I read as much as I could. Um, it's hard. It's hard. There's not enough time and I don't have enough childcare. But I would say I would recommend Untamed by Glennon Doyle to absolutely anybody. Yeah, it was great. And I also really enjoyed Abby's book, Wolfpack. So we are so thrilled that you have joined us today. We would love to hear about your book recommendations. We've just launched a YouTube channel and you can comment and engage with us there where we chat every morning or almost every morning about what's going on in the world in our own lives. Uh, it's like kind of just chit chat with Sam and Amy. So we would love to talk to you there. And once again, we want to thank our production team, Large Media, who is women owned and we love working with them. And we also want Want to thank our podcast associate Emma Hard and our male perspective Lou Burns. And we're powered by my company, The Riveter, which you can find at www.theriveter.co and Sam's company, Park Place Payments, which you can find at www.parkplacepayments.com. You're so cute that you include the www. I love it! It's so cute! Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.